defends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Supercoach Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Guys, team this Tuesday has finally hit us. We've been waiting a long time. We finally got here. There's been a few good things, a few bad things. Nothing too, too dramatic, but we're going to divulge, uh, get into that right now and have a good look at it. We've had a bit of a, a pre-season casualty of our own. 2019 champion Des Creek has stubbed his toe this afternoon and broken it. He's now he's a real late withdrawal from the podcast, so that's a shame. But with me is the 2019 runner-up, Walson Carlos. Mate, how are we? Yeah, good, Timmy. Keen to go, mate. So we're we're running a bit short on the bench, but we'll be right. We are exactly just like a few sides in the NRL following these announcements, guys. If you haven't had a look at the site, jump onto scplaybook.com.au. If you need us, uh, want to get us on any of the socials, have any feedback, any questions, you can get us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SC Playbook One. There's a heap of heap of content from the preseason across the sites that can hopefully help you with your sides going into round one. We do have a subscription service in place. It's thirty dollars for the NRL content, forty dollars for NRL and Big Bash at the end of the year as well. If you're not into that, there's a lot there, but there's a heap of free content as well. So go and check that out. We've also got a Super Coach group unlimited group which i'll put out again on the socials either tonight or in the morning there's a major prize for the highest ranked subscribe to knock off all the contributors that'll be involving the raiders boys which i'll also announce in the morning so that's pretty exciting stuff anyway enough about that we're here for the teams it is teamless tuesday the first of the year let's get into it we're going to be looking at the nrl news twitter page they're a bunch of legends there they do some really good content so check out their website uh, the way they've revealed the side, we won't go through them one by one. But anyway, let's get into it, starting with the Parramatta Eels playing against the Bulldogs on Thursday night at 8.05. So the Eels have named Regan Campbell-Gillard and Ryan Madison for their club debuts. Wunga Blake has been named despite a shoulder concern for him. And there's no Oregon Kafusi on the bench. <clears throat> He's been named in the reserves. A few things going on at the Parramatta Eels there. Namely, the big one for me is that they've named a four-forward bench, so there's no utility, the likes of Will Smith on the bench or a Ray Stone who can come on and play hooker. Uh, this could be a bit of an issue for guys like Sean Lane, Madison, Junior Paulo, Nathan Brown in particular. I think he's the big one affected. Walsham, what were your thoughts there, mate? Yeah, I think that's the biggest super coach implications, um, Timmy. I think when you look at Parramatta, I mean, they've been identified as a team that could be fast starters and then you look at uh, players like Moses and Madison and, and even taking a flyer on some of their outside backs, you know, you've got Ferguson and Sebo and Wunga Blake and, you know, even Michael Jennings, a veteran. But um, it it all comes down to how do the Eels handle expectation this year? Like they were sort of um, – they weren't expected to do that much last year, so they, they were a bit of a surprise. But now – they're at the brand new stadium. They're expected to turn up there and expected to win. And um, I know you're going to probably get onto it, but the Bulldogs turmoil there with a couple of their players being ruled out. So um, the expectations heaped on even more for the Eels. So um, I think if you look at it on paper, the Eels are really, really strong favourites for that game. And you can think load up on Eels players and, and they've got a really good start to the year. But um it's, it's a funny game, rugby league. Like, do they handle that expectation or not? Yeah, it is interesting. And 
looking at this, the four forwards on the bench for the Eels, who do you see losing minutes from what we probably expected prior to the team being announced? Um, I'm thinking Nathan Brown probably misses out, and I think you can rule him out of your team because Sean Lane and Ryan Madison probably play pretty close to their 80 minutes. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I've gone off, Matto, and I know that's going to sound really weird because the people who've followed the, the podcast and my articles from the start have known how keen I've been on him, but we've just had such a glut of mid-range players that are, that are value, and I think the makeup of their team suits them getting better better minutes. Like, I think Madison will probably see value, but near Cora on the bench worries me, and also Brad Takarangi because they're both back rowers. I know Takarangi is, like, on the bench as a – as a uh, reserve back as well, but they're not going to replace their centres unless they're injured. So um, it worries me that Matt, that he may look at taking off Madison um, for 10, minute, 10 or 15 minutes um, early in the season until he runs into full nick. But, uh, well, I guess we'll see what happens, yeah. And that's the risk with guys like Madison and Tao Malolos and James Tedesco's. You're buying them pretty well at their peak value. So if there is a risk of them playing 10 or 15 minutes less early in the year, all of a sudden they're probably overpriced at this time of the year. So that's an issue. Anyway, at the Bulldogs, the massive news to break just before we started recording was that Corey Harawira Naira and Jaden Ockenborough have both been stood down after they were issued with a show cause notice by the NRL. Don't know intricate details of what's going on there, but they're both out of the team there. Christian Crichton's been named on the wing. New recruit Joe Stimson is now into the back row, and Brandon Wakem, Wakem as tipped earlier in the week, has been named at 5'8 alongside Lachlan Lewis. Uh, mate, the dog's not the most interesting supercoach side, but that does change things up a little bit. Um, what do you reckon at the dogs? Uh, Supercoach-wise, I don't think it has a lot of ramifications. I mean, if you like someone from the dogs before, you probably it probably <laughs> make a difference unless it was chn i mean i know there was a few people that were talking about having a flyer on him i wasn't interested when he didn't have the dual position um brandon wakem peaks a little bit of interest but if i was getting him getting him as a pure cheapie i'd probably take him but i'm probably prefer i think he's around 270 280 i'd probably prefer to go up to you know it's not that far up to like a george williams or even um uh, the lad, uh, Chanel Harris-DeVita from the Warriors. So um, I think they're more relevant. Even I know Brimson's out, but he's another player in the halves that you could look at as well. So I think Wakeham's a bit of a wait and see. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. He peaked a little bit of interest. He was pretty good in a handful of games last year. I can see round three, just before the first price rises occur, a lot of these George Williams, Wakeham's, uh, Jerome Luai, uh, Billy Walters, who's available at halfback, just being sideways traded. The ones that don't work out, the ones that do work out, um, they'll be very popular trades as we see how they go. But again, yeah, don't be sucked into the trap of Joe Stimson at the Bulldogs in the back row there. He's interesting while he's starting, but we don't know how long Harawira and I is going to be there, so we'll play it by year. Uh, next up is the grand final runner-ups from last year. The Canberra Raiders taking on the Titans at JO Stadium at 6 p.m., what have we got there? We've got Corey Horsberg, who's been named to start in the back row for the Raiders with John Bateman out. Emre Gula and Michael Oldfield have both been named on the bench. Uh, otherwise, pretty well as expected at the Raiders. I still wouldn't be shocked to see Horsberg start at lock and Tapanay on the edge. But let's play up here and see how that goes. Michael Oldfield's been named as a utility back on the bench. Mate, any interest at the Raiders? 
Oh, a lot of interest at the Raiders. I mean, the interest is around that forward pack, and that's interesting what you said then um, about the rearrangement of uh, their back their back row there. Um, if Tapanay plays on an edge, I think he's almost a must um, just because of his tackle break ability. And, and you know, it's it's well, uh, like, joked about among CQ, uh, super coach um, players that um, – he doesn't like passing that much, so he might do an offload, but he generally goes into contact. So if he gets a run on that right edge and plays 80 minutes, I think he's a mid-ranger that you've really got to look at. I liked Horsberg last year as well. So if he gets increased minutes, and I think he played an average of 36 or 37 minutes last year, and his PPM was really good. So you'd imagine he's going to go up to 50, possibly 55 with that bench. I mean, if they maintain that bench um, where they've got, Michael Oldfield, an outside back, which is basically going to be a reserve. He won't get a run unless someone gets injured. And then you've got Havili, who can play in a running lock role, and then Gula and Soliola. I think Corey Horsberg could be set for big minutes. So um, I, I, I could I could leave one in there with the possibility of, if there's a late change, swapping to the other one before the game, I think. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I've got Tapanay locked in at the moment. I think he plays close to 80 minutes, whether it be at lock or on the edge, or even a combination of the two. I'm undecided on Horsberg because I think he ticks just about every box, even with Bateman back around sort of round four or five. Um, the, the issue is there. We have so many mid-range front mm. rowers and back rowers. I'm trying to lock them all in. I can't do it. And we'll get to it at the next game because there's guys like Flegler and Carrigan who the Broncos, who have just named two forwards on the bench, they look like near must-haves as well. Uh, you Again, we'll get to it, but you start looking at dropping guys like Jason Lolo who are at peak value to fit these guys in where you know there's going to be cash made. So, anyway, we'll get to that in a minute, but very interesting makeup at the Raiders. Uh, just on that as well, Bailey Simonson is going to shift to the left side outside Jared Croker this year. Koch is going to go to the right side outside Curtis Scott. Not massive implications, but I know there's a lot of... Uh, Supercoach is interested in the Raiders' outside backs following on from last year and a pretty friendly start to the season. Moving over to the Titans, AJ Brimson and Mo Fodawaka have both been named on the bench for the Gold Coast Titans, extended bench that is, should I say, so outside of the 17. Philip Sammy's been moved to fullback. Dale Copley is on the wing. Tyrone Peachy starts at centre, really interestingly there, with Brian Kelly named on the interchange. That is in the 17. Uh, recruit Sam Lasone has been named at prop, which surprised me a little bit, but Shannon Boyd's out there as well. Uh, and then apologies for the pronunciation, but Jamin Jolliffe has been a surprise inclusion in the 17, so he's potentially a cheapie there. Mate, what are your thoughts of the Titans? I know a lot of people were interested in AJ Brimson. I don't think he can be anymore with that injury concern, especially not being named in the 17. No, I think it's a lower back injury too, and... Yeah, I'm not really keen on those after um, the history of his number of players. But he does stack up pretty well, um, AJ Brimson. He's he's played some good games. And if you're of the belief that a lot of people are that the Titans are going to get better under their new coach, then um, it's understandable why people are looking at him. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at Callum Watkins as well. I, re- I was really high on Callum Watkins when he came over as a recruit uh, last year. I thought he was pretty poor. He looked at in the trials, I'd be more inclined to go someone like Peachy. He looked really good in the trials to me. And him getting an 80-minute role at centre uh, sort of excites me a bit. The fact that they might carry someone like a Brian Kelly on the bench. So 
Um, he could go in and play centre and Peachy could possibly go in and give Proctor or, or Cartwright a break um, in the second row. Um, it says to me that the new coach is looking to use Peachy um, as much as he can. So I think Peachy comes right into calculations for me there. Um, just going back a little bit to the Canberra Raiders, I want to say this because um, I've been looking at my team and now that there's a few cheapies coming out, and we'll talk about that later, um, I've been looking at who would be the next best front rower that I would go behind Payne Haas and I was tossing up between Tapao and Josh Papali. I'm leaning towards Josh Papali if I do go that way because uh, AFB has been uh, named for Manly and we'll get into that, but I think he takes minutes off to power, which we saw last year. But Josh Papali in the trials looked awesome and I think he ended the year in career best form. So if he starts anything like that, um, he could be playing 55, 60 minutes and and just absolutely tear him up in, in what is an easy draw. Yeah, I'm with you on all of that, mate. I, um, Papali's always been pretty close to my number two front rower heading into this season. I just think he's, I think he plays bigger minutes this year as well with a few of the injuries in the pack. Canberra's depth isn't as good as it has been in previous years. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Mate, I'm, I'm a bit with you on Callum Watkins. He's pretty popular, but I'm just so concerned with a, what we saw last year, he wasn't terrible, but he didn't sell me in his six games. Just the the English, the outside backs to come out and fail and not do anything. He's obviously done enough to, to win over um, Justin Holbrook there, the, the the new coach. I'm just, I'm not convinced on Watkins. I'm more intrigued on Tyron Peachy as well. I don't have the nads to do it, but I did a Titans team analysis yesterday and Bryce Cartwright had some temptation about him. If you knew he was locked into an 80-minute role, man, he was tempting. And then Jai Arrow is the other one there. Uh, are you starting with Jai Arrow? Yeah, I think I am going to start with Jai Arrow. What was um, Cartwright's price, Timmy, from memory? Let me tell us your thoughts on Jai Arrow, and I will get up what, what I've got on on Bryce Cartwright because he, he's intriguing. Yeah, I, I, didn't, straight, I didn't straight out um, dismiss... Uh, uh, Bryce Cartwright, but um, so I'm, I'm I'm interested in what his price is and sort of what sort of minutes he gets. He might be a bit of a wait and see, but Joy Arrow for me is underpriced. Um, I think Joy Arrow um, gets big minutes from what I've seen in the trials. He's fit. Um, the makeup of their bench points to that. I feel like um, the new coach's names just just uh, elude me at the moment, but the new coach of the Titans is yeah, really Justin Holbrook. I, I had the same issue just before. Yeah, sorry, J- Justin Holbrook. Um, I feel like he's he's really going to load up on his best players, and I think he showed you know he showed his hand a little bit by getting Peachy into the team because I think he's one of their more attacking players. Um, he's keen on Mitch Rain, and he's also got Jai Arrow there. So I think Jai Arrow probably pa- plays. 65 to 70 minutes and i think you know he's almost a must if he's playing those type of minutes yeah i'm with you and just on cardi 397 grand mm. last year he averaged 41 points in 56 minutes in mm. eight 80 minute games he averaged 59 points we know we know he's averaged 74 points in the past that was in 2016 look if we knew he was locked into an 80 minute role playing an extra 25 minutes a game phew, tempting it's a flyer, isn't it? But um, it's just uh, the question mark over him is can he hold his spot? And that's and that's my issue a little bit with 
um, any of the Titans outside backs because there's so much competition for spots there. Um, you know, you got Sammy, Don, Watkins, Peachy, Copley, you know, and there's blokes that have been left out on the uh, of the side that are good players as well. You haven't got Brimson there. Jonas Pearson is a good player. Um, and there's some other players that are injured. So, um, and Brian Kelly's on the bench. So I, I think if they start losing and Holbrook sort of wants to move them around a little bit, I don't know if you've got job security. And that's that's one of the things you have to take into account because the worst thing is to buy a player and then all of a sudden they get dropped or they get dropped to the bench because then you've got to burn a trade on them, Timmy. Yeah, that's it, mate. Good shout. Moving on to the Cowboys and Broncos on Friday night at 8 o'clock at the new Cowboys Stadium in Townsville, which is very exciting. At the Cowboys, Vale Holmes, despite early rumours that Paul Green might play him on the wing early in the season, he has been named at fullback, which is excellent for anyone interested in him. He's expected to kick goals as well. John Aziard has been named at props. Scott Drinkwater gets the nod at 5'8", over Jake Clifford, who's been named in reserves outside of the 17. A bit of interest in the Cowboys. I'm going to throw one at you straight away because there's two, two main things going on here. But you, myself, and Des have all spoken about it. I think it's a very viable option that you don't start the year with Jason Taumalolo at peak price with all these mid-range forwards coming through. What do you reckon there? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I think a lot of um, studious super coaches – have put together their sides and they've rearranged their sides around Appy Coruscant, Blake Braley in at hooker, and then some of them have sort of gone, okay, well, if I can leave Damien Cook out, why don't I leave Tamalolo out? And then I bring in, you know, Knight, Carrigan, Jack Williams, and you've got all these mid-rangers that you know are going to, like it's inevitable unless they get injured, they're going to increase in value. But if you go back to the way, the tried and tested way that, um, Supercoach has always been played with guns and cheapies. I think this team list has opened up a few cheapies that people didn't think were going to be there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether people blow up their team and go back to guns and cheapies or whether they stick with the mid-rangers because they believe um, that they're going to come through from. I, I think there's some mid-rangers that you just absolutely must have and Carrigan's going to be one of them in my opinion because – I think Seabold likes him and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tamalo- going without Tamalolo is, I think uh, Des was in, uh, talking to me about that being an antipod. Is that what they call an antipod option? I, I wasn't that familiar. is, yeah. The, the Des especially loves that one. Yeah, he loves the antipod. So um, he was talking about, so if you went against Lolo, then that would be sort of like an antipod um, because he's so highly owned. Um I think it's a real viable possibility, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether – at the moment I don't have Tamalolo in my side, but then yeah. I only just had a chance to have a look at the team list and I like a couple of the cheapies that we're mm. going to talk about and I think I might actually rearrange my team a bit. Yeah, I'm so I'm pretty well – I think I'm too invested in the mid-ranges this season to go with guns and cheapies, even though a few of them are coming to the table and I'll black flip on that, but – I love the idea of locking in a bunch of these really good mid-ranges and having a really strong 17 to start the year, which is something we probably haven't had in the past with a bunch of particular centre wing cheapies playing in our starting 17. Anyway, we'll move on. We won't move on from the Cowboys because I want to talk about Cohen Hess. Cohen Hess has been named to start. I know a lot of people aren't keen on him regardless, but 
if he can get back to playing as an 80-minute back rower, which he very well may, he had a relatively strong preseason. The last time he did that, he averaged 58 points per game, which was the two was his 2017 and 2018. If he can get back to a 58-point average with those 80-minute games, that's a 200k price rise and some potentially close to keeper scores. Is there any interest in Cohen Hess for you? There's not for me, but it's more about. You know, you get to that stage where there's players that are on the same level and you tend to go to the, go with the players that you like to watch. Um, he, it's not that he's not an exciting player and things like that, but um, he sort of reminds me a bit of Dane Carlo. Um, you know, promises a lot but doesn't always deliver. Like he, during his career, they've been great players. I don't, don't want to be derogatory towards them, but in terms of super coach, they sort of they, – they're really uh, big and athletic – and you think they're going to do a lot of things, but the last year or so, Cohen Hess hasn't really delivered. The other thing is, it's a simple one for me, the same reason I'm not going Madison. Um, basically, close to a four-forward bench. I know you've got Reese Robson there who play a bit of dummy half, but Mitchell Dunn and Shane Wright are fundamentally back rowers. So one of them is obviously going to play, play in the middle, but um, and then you've got Francis Molo there. But I, I see Reese Robson getting an, uh, a lot of minutes and, and even as a running um, you know, as a running lock, so he might he might actually pick up the minutes that that uh, is off the field. So that would leave those other three to fight over minutes um, with Jordan McLean and John Asiata, and I think maybe even Hesed cop a bit of a hit in the minutes as well. Yeah, nice mate. Uh, at the Broncos, Jermaine Asako starts off the bench as the the back utility. Uh, Jack Bird will be playing fullback as was predicted. Brodie Croft and Pat Carrigan to co-captain the side, which I find incredible, but also such a show of respect to both those guys, in particular Pat Garrigan, who only has a handful of NRL games to his name. Jamil Hopawade will make his NRL do off, debut off the bench with Jesse Arthurs to play on the wing ahead of Xavier Coates. Heaps going on at the Broncos. I've locked Tony Staggs into my team, although I would have much preferred Asako not to get named on the bench. Uh, just, I was keen on Stags anyway, but now that he should be or he will be kicking goals, I just think he's an awesome option in a side that I expect to do really well this year, uh, mate. Really interesting bench makeup here again. They've got a, a hooker on the bench in Andrew McCulloch, a Sarko there who may or may not get on the field. This, they've got Alex Glenn to come back into the side, but forgot the whole forward pack: Flegler, Haas, Fafida, TPJ, Carrigan. Surely it means good minutes for all these guys. Yeah, and it was something I flagged in an earlier podcast when we spoke about Seabold, and um, he has a penchant for playing his best players for a lot of minutes, and I don't think it worries him. Like, I've seen him a couple of games when he was um, coaching the South Sydney Rabbitohs in his first year. He would play with basically 15 players, and there'd be two players, but one, one might not get on and then one get five minutes. He has no... He has no issue with that. Um, so I don't know if it's a similar situation here, but it's a very strange bench makeup. But it may point to a changing la- uh, landscape in the bench makeup. Um, so, you know, there's a number like Canberra have a similar sort of setup with Oldfield on the bench and Havili. Um, the Warriors, who we're going to get to, have a similar sort of setup there, although theirs is a little bit weirder because they've got two hookers on the bench. But, um, I was not impressed with Reese Kennedy in the trials. I thought he, defensively he was a liability, so I was surprised to see him named. But I realised that as good as the Broncos' pack is, 
they probably don't have that much depth. You know, like um, when you look at the four reserves that were named, Ethan Bullybaugh's the only forward in those four reserves. You've got Xavier Coates, Herbie Farnworth, they're both wingers, Tom Dearden, who's a halfback, and then Ethan Bullymore, who's just a kid, but he, he's a special he's, he's a special player, so he's one to watch out for. So possibly he's just gone for a safer option in Reese Kennedy, but I can't see him playing more than 25, 30 minutes, if that, because he's a big fella. His cardio is not great from what I've seen. Jamil Hapoade could be a flyer as a uh, as a cheapie, but um, whether he keeps his spot when Glenn and um, often Galway come back could be interesting. The one we were talking about, Timmy, that I'll throw in there was um, Jermaine Asako coming on and Corey Oates going into the forwards. That makes Oates quite interesting, doesn't it? It's, it's mind-blowing, and it wasn't even like – there's been all the speculation over the years, not speculation. Corey Oates has wanted to move to the back row and play on an edge – he said he might be going and moving to prop. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, in some ways it's not – It's it seems unfathomable, but um, Corey Oates is probably – that probably suits him because he gets to defend in the middle and he doesn't have as much pressure on him, you know, having to be um, sort of like defending on an edge. But whether he's got the cardio to do it, but maybe he could do it for five, like 10, 15 minutes, get him through. I mean, yep. what, what it says to you is – it's going to be really hard not to put Payne Haas as your captain because he's almost like a lockdown 80 minutes. And what he did last year was special, like unparalleled by anyone at that age. Um, you know, not just NRL wise, but super coach wise. So, um, yeah, the Broncos forwards are enticing. Carrigan to me is, is a lock in. I'm really seriously considering um, Flagler because I think he'll play big minutes. But, um, yeah, how do you fit them all in? That's what I was going to say, and, and we won't stick on it for too much longer because we'll be here all night. The a question people have had even before this bench was announced for the Broncos was how how many is too many from one, they normally say side, but now it's one forward pack because mm. I'm locking in Haas. I've locked in for feeder. I've pretty well locked in Carrigan, and I want Flegler, and I'm not going to have him, but I think TPJ is a very viable option now if you put away his uh, brain explosion injury history. Mate, you're looking at having four from one forward pack. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, they are supposed to be the, the best the, the, the best new forward pack coming through. But um, Canberra's a little bit the same because you want Tappanay and Horsberg and then Papali's probably there as well for those people considering him. So it's just the way that it's played out this year. There's, there's just um, players in clusters. But I, I'm considering a lot of players from the Broncos. And the thing is, this is what's conflicting me, Timmy, is because I sort of went into the season thinking the Broncos will go really well. But looking at that side on paper, I'm not convinced they beat the, the Cowboys, you know, like their first game up there. I, I, like that's that's a fairly weak side from what I expected the Broncos to put out there. But I'm interested in Jack Bird, obviously, for his tackle break ability and fullback. He looked pretty good. And Katoni Staggs with the kicking. Um, and, and, and I'm still considering Milford for the half position as well. Yeah, and you're spot on, and it's um, just on Milford. I think a lot of people went cold on him when I think he twinged his hammy at the Perth Nines, but he did play the trial game last week against the Titans, so they're not going to risk him there at all, that hamstring, if they were worried about it. So I think that eases a lot of uh, injury fears on Milford. Moving on to the Knights and Warriors at McDonald Jones Stadium, 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon in the lovely Newcastle. 
Aiden Greer and Tim Glasby have both been named on the bench for the night. Mitch Barnett, Barnett in the back row with Daniel Saifidi at prop. Anari Chuala and Gurmat Shibasaki get the nod at centre. Kurt Mann partners Mitchell Pearce in the halves. A lot going on there. Herman SASA is a big inclusion at starting lock and now provides a bit of interest that we didn't think he would have had with Glasby being a bit of a surprise, being named on the bench there. Mate, I'm going to get straight into it. My smoky of the preseason, which I am not sold on at all and probably won't do, but want you to want you to talk me into it. I've always had a lot of time for Inari Chuala. I don't know if it's been an off-field thing that sort of limited his games up at the Cowboys, but he's now at a new club. The Knights have shown a lot of faith in him. They re-signed him about a month after actually arriving at the club. They extended his deal. He'll be playing on the left side, outside Caelan Ponga's strong side, which is the big factor for me. Tackle bus, he can offload, he can score tries. You've got Bradman Best due back sort of around four or five. Tauto Moga was just about available this week. It sounds like he's dropped down the pecking order. Any love for Anari Chuala at 280k? Nah, not from me. I, I can understand the interest and, in, you know, being on that left side. Um, it'd be interesting to see the players who played outside Ponga on that left side because I feel like he either hit Fitzgibbon short or he threw a long ball to the winger. Like, I, yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's actually that lucrative for a super coach wise to be a centre outside him because I can't remember him really ever. Um, you know, hitting the centre. I don't know if it was Ramian or maybe a Ramian was on the other side. I just I just can't pick who who was there, Kenny Dale or someone. But yeah. it just doesn't strike me as a position that's going to um, really benefit from Kalen Ponga um, running on that left side. Look, I, I've got to be honest. I mean, it's really strange because I watched all the trials and the team that I was least impressed with was Newcastle. Now, trials, they could come out and blow them away being at home and the Warriors are – you know, like injury ravaged and things like that. And then it's the Warriors, you know, it's it's always a bit of a lottery sometimes. Like, but I, I can't get up on, on Newcastle. Like, I, I, I'm really considering Kalen Ponger and putting him in the side because he's goal kicking. And I think he, he retains value and probably increases it because of his goal kicking. But I don't really like them to go that well this year. And I, and, 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 I'm not that confident about it. Like I just, I just have a feeling that when I look at their side, I just, I just don't feel like, um, I just don't feel like they'll go that well. I don't know why, but that, that's my feeling. So I'm, I'm leaning against that. I, I was really unimpressed with the way they played. They, they sort of forced Kurt Mann to play on the left side when he's a predominantly right side player. That's probably because Mitchell Pierce is, you know, dominates the right side. And then Ponga was really trying to come over to the right side. And, he, and as great a player as Kalen Ponga is, and he is great, he really struggled with um, nailing his passes when he passed from left to right, which is interesting because um, when he passes from right to left, he he really seems to get him outside of the ruck. You know, oh, it's beautiful to watch, you know, but he, he wasn't nailing him in that trial. And they were playing, um, with all due respect, like a third or fourth grade bunch of kids um, so uh that that's my reticence with with um with the newcastle knights to start the year yeah and mate he's never been strong on that left to right passing of his he's, he's obviously been working on it well you'd think he would have but it he showed in the trial it's never been a strong suit and that's why i've never been keen on right side players at the knights either 
Uh, moving on to your New Zealand Warriors and some interesting inclusions there. We had, let's get down the bottom here. They were announced earlier than everyone else. Mate, on the bench, there was, apologies for any incorrect pronunciations, but Jermaine Tanua Brown and Elisa Katoa will both make their NRL debuts from the bench. Roger Tuivasa-Shek has been named to play at fullback, who I know you're semi-keen on. Lachlan Burr at prop, and Wade Egan will make his club debut starting at hooker. They've got two hookers on the bench, or should I say Carl Lawton, hooker, and Cody Nikarima, a utility who can play at hooker. I'll throw to you for most of this one because you've watched their trials, you love the club. What are your thoughts at the Warriors? Uh, I'm optimistic, you know, uh, as a Warriors fan. I I can see that um, an objective person looking at the Warriors would probably go they're in for a really tough season, and that could happen too, you know, like that could really happen. But what um, gives me... Uh, a lot of heart is the decisions, the hard decision, like gutsy decisions, I reckon, from Stephen Kearney. And I think it's reflected in St. George as well. You see the teams that coaches are under pressure, so they're actually not playing it safe. They're actually going out there and, and they're giving blokes um, a chance, like to drop Cody Nicarima, who's, you know, the New Zealand 5'8", um, in favour of Chanel Harris-Tavita, I think is a really gutsy call, but I think it's the right call. I actually... I actually think that Blake Green is the bloke that will come under pressure at some stage because I think a Chanel Harris-Tavita-Nicarima combination would be very, very um, good attacking-wise for the Warriors. The the issue with Nicarima has always been his defence, you know. So he, he, um, I think he got run over in that, uh, in a game earlier in the year. I think it was the Maori All-Stars he might have played and they ran over. He had a pretty decent game, but... He misses sort of five or six key tackles in a game. So that's probably his issue there. And he is so explosive at a dummy half. I'm excited about seeing him play off the bench. Um, Jermaine Tanoa Brown for me is just lock lock him in because he's shown that even though it might not look really good to the eye, he makes a lot of tackles in a short amount of time. So if he gets 40 minutes, he's going to be a cheapie that can sit on your bench at um, bargain basement price and make you money, and he's not going to be an AE nightmare. That's my opinion. Um, and, I, and you know, like I've been talking about this, I put it on Twitter, uh, Eliesa Katoa, I'm not yep. sure if I said that right. I am so high on this kid. There's two, there's two or three kids coming through on the bench for different teams, but this, what I've seen of him, and it's only been a limited sample size, but I think he's going to be a star of the game. Like maybe he's not going to be an explosive star of the game, but I think he's going to be a player that um, is going to excel in the NRL. The catch with him is if you put him on there as a cheapy second second row forward and they lose one or two games while Curran's injured, it's likely that Josh Curran will come in for him um, or even Ignatius Parsi. Um, he's out injured as well. He may come in for him, and then Lachlan Burr goes back to the bench. But if he can, if they can jag a win in this first game, and he plays well, which I think he can, he could lock himself in for the year and be putting a lot of pressure on those other forwards. So um, there's a lot of interesting players for the Warriors because of their bench makeup. Like Isaiah Papali, he he comes right into contention for me because 
how many minutes will he play at lock? He was very industrious there. If he plays 60 or 65 minutes, he w- he could well be, a, you know, one of those mid-range cheapies that excels this year as well. If you wanted to take a flyer on him, there's probably safer options. Chanel Harris-DeVita is one um, because he's got the goal kicking. You know, people are going to point to, oh, there's, you know, there's probably better players than him that you could and more safer options. But to me, he's an exciting player and, I think you could take a flyer on him as a um, as a cheap half that you could play. Yep, yep, all for that. And and that when you speak about like these the young bench guys and all right, there's an issue if they start losing early that you know they, they might be in in a bit of trouble. They might get dropped. It's a bit like with Cohen Hess where you'll sit sit there and say you know he ticks the boxes and he might play eighty minutes and he could come good. But, you know, you've got to look at it and say, well, I don't think he will come good, even if he's playing the minutes. And just back yourself and your football, football, football knowledge as you're doing with these Kiwi boys. And even if they're losing games, but they've impressed to you, you've just got to say, all right, I think they're good enough to be in the NRL and therefore good enough to be my super coach side. So, you know, but yeah, there you, go. you heard here first from the, the runner-up of last year, locking the cheapy, cheapy Warriors boys. Moving up, it's 5.30 Saturday afternoon at ANZ Stadium. Not a lot of new information at the Rabbitohs. They were pretty well named as expected. Alex Johnson is named on the bench. Ame Sele gets a nod for his first game in bonus <laughs> colours. Ethan Lowe and Mark Nichols have both recovered from off-season injuries or surgeries, and they round out the bench. Uh, three forward bench, one utility. Nothing too new there at the Bunnies? No, nah, you're just breaking up like slightly then. You wouldn't have to change anything, but just go from nothing new there at the bunnies like it's just start. it starts to like get a bit like it like you know up and down on the volume Fuck. but if you go nothing, if you go nothing new from the bunnies i'll just carry on from there yeah righto um yeah nothing new from the bunnies there so mate i mean we've spoken about the bunnies over and over and over again throughout the preseason. lots of interesting guys like cam murray liam knight i'll probably be locking both of them two into my side Anything new for you, or what have you got? I think both of them are viable options. The Bunnies sort of have a tough start to the year, but they're, a, they're one of the sides that I could see starting really fast because they haven't – they've had some turnover in their roster, but they look really sharp. Like in the games, in the, in the trial games, they look really, really sharp. And those um, Indigenous boys that were playing on the left-hand side together um, – you know, Cody Walker, Braden Burns, you know, Latrell Mitchell, and then I think Campbell Graham was on the end of it. Um, like, they look really good, and then you throw Cam Murray into the mix. So um, their forwards, I thought, may struggle, but they they look like they're just going as good as ever. So, yeah, I mean, Cam Murray, Liam Knight, people could consider Jaden Sewell because he's probably underpriced. Um, their bench is interesting. I, I thought Kolawa Matangi might have yeah. made it. Because yep. he was pretty impressive, but um, that might be a late change. Um, but yeah, look, I expect South to start well. I, I always look at South when I'm looking at my captain as a side that um, is capable of scoring a lot of super coach points and are capable of giving up a lot of super coach points. Like they're an open side, so the way they play their style. So I don't actually look at them in the draw and go, oh, they're, they're a tough side, so we don't want to play them. Any side that I've got a player in that's playing south, I get excited about. Yeah, that's it, mate. Uh, Jaden Sewell, yeah, he's an interesting one because it, I think he's about 303K, starting on an edge in a, a gun attacking outfit. 
looks, looks to tick a lot of boxes and should be a really popular option. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't be, but I'm just not convinced he has the, the super coach output. Uh, even if he is playing decent minutes there, I think he'd probably need 80 minutes to warrant being picked in round one. And the way I see it is Ethan Lowe probably comes onto the field for him. I think Liam Knight probably gets a bit of a spell with Nichols and Selle there as middle forwards who will spell, obviously, the two front rowers, but Knight as well. Does Cam Murray shift to lock? Probably at some stage. We're not going to know until round one kicks off this weekend. Over at the Sharks, no Matt Moylan, still injured, just for something new. Will Kennedy gets the nod at fullback. No Bronson Sherry, which is big news, terrible news for my Supercoach draft side because I got him pretty early in the draft. Sione Katoa has been named on the wing. Toby Rudolph has jagged a bench spot. Billy McGoolies has missed out on a bench spot. They've named the three-forward bench with Connor Tracy at 14. He'll likely eat into a few minutes of Braden Bra- Blake Braley, should I say. Um, you're obviously still going to pick Blake Braley in your side, but you know, do you pick him in your 17? Bit of an issue now if Tracy comes on and plays 20, 25 minutes there. Nate, um, any strong thoughts at the Cronulla Sharks? Yeah, I don't think Braley's an option to play um, personally. I think, you know, most people will either have Coruscant or Cook, you know, it's sort of down to those three, or if you take a flyer on Cam Smith, a lot of people would have been put off by um, some comments from Bellamy saying that he's going to rest him, but he's not going to do that early in the season. And Smith looks sharp as in, in, in their trial. So there's also um, a lot of, well, not a lot of people, but there's a section of people that are considering Josh Hodgson as well, which is, an interesting one. I'm not that keen on it, but I tell you what, Canberra will play very tight in the first four or five rounds, so a lot of the play will come off him. Um, I I look at Cronulla and, geez, they're a good side on paper. I mean, like, it's it's hard to fault their side. This could be the game of the round. It's really – you look at their forward pack and it's just really solid side, and even their bench, I think, has been really impressive. So um, this is going to be a cracking game. Um, I, would, I think Jack Williams is one that you've got to really consider, particularly now that they're not playing a full forward bench rotation. I think he probably gets his 50 minutes. But in terms of mid-rangers, he, he's probably third behind Carrigan and Knight. So if you're going to go Carrigan and Knight, um, you may not be able to fit Jack Williams in there. And it might not hurt you too much to wait and see what he does in the first two weeks. And then if he's going to have a big price rise, Bring him, bring him in in week three sort of thing. Exactly right. And he's another one of these guys that you spot on there. We do have the luxury, I keep saying it over and over, but of trading guys in and out before their prices change. And I'm with you. I think Jack Williams looks like he's going to make decent money. I think he's going to have a really good output. Um, I'm re- I really want him in my side, but I just don't think there's room at the moment. Uh, anyway, um, and then the, obviously the other one there is Josh Morris. It sounds like has reported today that he'll be going to the Roosters after round one. That's obviously to allow Bronson Sherry to come back in next week just because they've got a bit of an issue with depth there. Josh Dugan also injured at the moment, but it doesn't sound like he's too far off. Uh, on to the Panthers and Roosters, Saturday night, 7.35 at Panthers Stadium. Caleb Aikens gets the fullback gig for Penrith with Dylan Edwards out injured. No Kurt Capel due to injury, and the Probably the biggest news of the teams list for me, James Fisher-Harris starting on the bench, Liam Martin in the back row. This is huge. They've started Isaiah Yo at lock. Um, I mean, Fisher-Harris played 80 minutes a game last year. I think he averaged 78 for the season. Being at peak price, I think if you have James Fisher-Harris, I don't think you can play him. I'm surprised he's at lock. He's, he's not on the starting side, but 
Fisher Harris is gone for me. Um, Jerome Lewis, I did get the nod over Matty Burton, which we thought we expected to happen, but we knew there was a little bit of a risk there. Um, mate, plenty happening at the Panthers. Yeah, there is. And um, I think Jerome Luai being in the side and, and there being no Burton on the bench, you know, they've gone for Stephen Crichton on the bench, which is interesting. He's a play, He's another young player that is oh, – he, oh, he's a superstar of the future. Crichton, everything I've seen him do looks really good. Um, but I think that suits people that say clear he's going to have a, a really good year because – when Jerome Luai was on there um, in the trial that they played against Parramatta, Cleary basically just did everything. You know, he just basically ran both sides of the rack. He looked really dominant. He played like a Brett Kamali, Andrew Johns of the past, and basically their 5'8 was a Sean Rudder or, you know, someone like that who just yeah, love it. basically complimented them. So I'm not interested in Luai at all. Um, I might be totally wrong there, but to me um, – Oh, someone like Wakeham, who's similarly priced, is probably more of a chance of scoring um, better than Jerome Luai. But it piques my interest about Nathan Cleary, even though the Panthers have a really tough start. He's got such good base. He's going to touch the ball so often. Um, and the fact that Api Corusau is providing a, a real threat, which they didn't have in the past, at a dummy half, uh, makes makes um, Cleary very hard to pass up. Um, in terms of the back row, Isaiah Yo, he was really good in the trials. And, you know, like for a while I forgot about JFH, but uh, I sort of looked at it and I went, okay, Isaiah Yo, he's available in centre wing. What about this? And then you go, okay, James Fisher-Harris isn't, hasn't played any of the trials. To me, I see it as he hasn't played any of the trials. They're easing him back into it off the bench, but that's his position. Um, or he'll find a position. Possibly they'll play him in front row with with big minutes. That you know they're starting with Tedavano, but maybe they're saving themselves an interchange by saying Tedavano plays twenty minutes, and then JFH comes on and plays sixty minutes, and then they'll build up his minutes as they go, and then maybe Tedavano comes back on for the last ten or fifteen minutes for however they work it. But um, I don't see that as Fisher Harris has been you know, relegated or anything like that. But it certainly puts him out of contention to start with him for Supercoach. Yeah, I think largely as a result of Fisher-Harris being eased back from injury, this Penrith side is littered with traps. I still don't like Tedavano. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's quite affordable, but I don't think he has the Supercoach output or upside to, to figure and earn too much money. I don't think his minutes will be much more increased than last year. Huge for Appy Coruscant with Crichton getting named at 14. They haven't named a hooker there. So Appy, you'd think, likely gets his 80 minutes. A lot of people are keen on Isaiah Yo. Isaiah Yo has never been super coach relevant. There's a stack of back row depth with the Panthers. I can't see why he'd go anywhere near Isaiah Yo. I may be wrong, but I think people are getting sucked in a little bit by that dual position status at centre wing. So, again, a, a lot of chaps there. So just tread with caution. Traps at the Roosters as well because some interesting team news there. No Boyd Cordner, who's still out, injured. He'll have another week off. Satili Tupanua starts in the back row. Looks like a trap with Cordner obviously not too far away from returning from injury. Uh, Kyle Flanagan makes his debut. Angus Crichton has been named at centre as per the World Club Challenge. Uh, Sam Verrills has been named on the bench with Jake Friend winning the starting role at hooker. Mate, a lot going on there. 
what do you make of it all? I mean, at firstly, I'll just say Josh Morris will come to the club likely next week and Crichton pushes to the back row again. Does Crichton start or do they keep Mitch Orbison there as per last year? Oh, I think they probably push Crichton to the bench, you know, like um, Robinson showed his hand there. He's a big fan of Mitch Orbison. So unless uh, Cordner's out and that's an easy fix, so he just goes in there for Cordner and, um, until Cordner comes back. But I think... Um, yeah, he, he rates Mitchell Orbison um, higher up than Angus Crichton and, you know, to the chagrin of all the super coaches, but that's that's the way Robinson sees it. Yeah. But um, Morris comes straight in. Like, there's no doubt about that. Morris will come straight in and play um, in the centres there. Um, so that, that make, it's, it's, it makes it interesting for Josh Morris, um, whether he's a viable option. But when I look at the set side, I go, obviously, Tedesco, are you going to output that type of money? Um my thought is that he, while he could, um, it, it could be a really viable option to start with him and he could make value and possibly exceed it. I mean, that would be really tough because he's, he's set such a high barometer. It's more likely that um, he probably loses some value and then you can pick him up once the Roosters get into their game style. They do generally take three to four weeks um, where they just focus on defence. Um, uh, Joe, Joey Manu is a, is a flyer. You know, people that are considering going um, Joseph Leilua and, and um, you know, players like that, I think Joey Manu's in the same sort of category as that. They're not going to go to Crichton much, I can tell you that. Um, but I think they'll, they'll prefer to go to Joey Manu. I don't really think Kyle Flanagan's an option for me or Kiri. I, um, I, 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 I'm not really keen on either of them. Um, the Spy wrote an article about TKO, and I was, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, Timmy. Like, what, Are you yeah. considering bringing him in? Mate, I, I'm not because I just, I, again, getting onto these mid-range sort of three, 400K front rowers and back rowers, and I don't think you can get them all in. And it's a guy like Takiyaho who will miss out for me, but... I think he's a serious buy. He scored at 1.24 points per minute last year in 47 minutes of game time, averaging 58 points. Assuming he's fit and healthy, he's going to play more minutes than that. Yes, the PPM will go down a little bit, but I just I think he's an animal, Takiyaho. I, th- I think he's a serious choice. He may be kicking goals. We haven't had confirmation on that yet. Um, if he was kicking goals, I think you know, playing 55-plus minutes, he'd be a near-must-have. But, again, they're all question marks that we don't have at the moment. So, you know. I'd, yeah, I'd it's a bit of a wait and see. I, 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 from what I saw in the World Club Challenge, I think it's probably more likely that JWH plays big minutes. He has at different stages of his career. And, yeah. And, that, and that's always the issue with Roosters because they're such a deep side. They have so much depth that on any given week, um, Robinson, particularly later in the season, will rest players to get them ready for the finals. And on any given week, he'll he'll limit their minutes, you know, because he's trying to, because he's, you know, like maybe the um, sports scientist or whatever at the club's told him to or whatever. But he's his list management skills are really unreal. And, and you know, and within that, how he manages his thirty man roster throughout the season as well. So, um, but it's not. Super coach conducive, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, as we mentioned, but Tupanil is a trap with Cordner and Cordner due back and Crichton to move back to the back row, assuming Josh Morris does arrive. 
I do like Luke Keery. I won't go into too much detail about him. We've spoken about him on a lot of podcasts, but I just think him running the show without Cooper Cronk there, we've seen how good he's been in limited time without Cooper Cronk. I think he can go bonkers with a lot of the attack coming off him. So a little bit tempted there, but we'll wait and see. Over to Manly in Melbourne at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon at Lotto Land. Interesting one there with Desi Hasler throwing a few smoke bombs, not throwing a few smoke bombs, how should I say, which is new for an NRL coach. He's named Adam Fanua Blake to start. We thought he was going to be out till around round three or four. Jake Dubojevic was similar. He'll start at lock. Um, Verity sort of stuff there. Danny Levi makes his club debut. Um, Sean Kepi, a popular cheapie, has been named on the bench and should see decent minutes with Lachlan Croker, who's a utility back or half. Um, at 14. So I'm really keen on Sean Kepi. Uh, I still think coming back from injury and being underdone, Jake Chaboyevich, Adam Fanul Blake, I think there's a risk in them with their minutes, but they're they're now very good pods based on what we've seen in the past. Um, Nate, who do you like, dislike it, Manly? Yeah, I like, I like AFB and I've had um, Gerbo. You know, I think most people have had him for years, so I'm going to avoid both of them um, just because I don't think the value is there. And this year, it's a little bit about value, but I'm going to reassess that once I look at these cheapies. Sean Cappy is a genuine cheapie. Yeah. Um, I think he probably keeps his spot. I'm not sure if there's anyone else to come back onto that bench, but I think he's going to keep his middle spot. He's a bit of a Sean Lane lookalike, actually. He sort of had me there, but um, now he's a good player. When I was talking before about Elisir um, Katoa, the other player I was refer, uh, referring to that I think is going to be a superstar of the future is Amole Olakuatu. I don't know if yep. he's play, but, oh, mate, he looks special, this kid. Um, footwork, uh, athleticism, uh, he scored a great try in the trial match for them. So um, it doesn't surprise me that he's beaten out um, Toff Sipley for a bench spot, and I think he'll probably keep that spot. So I think he might be 170,000, or maybe he got a game or two last year, so he yeah. might be 200,000. But um, he's a genuine cheapy opportunity for me if you're going to go back to that guns and cheapies look. So yeah, there's, there's a bit interesting there. I, I was, like I said, I was keen on Marty Tapao or. Um, Josh Papali, but I'm leaning towards Josh Papali now that AFB and Jake Trebojevic are back. Yeah, and that's it. And the issue with Olakad Artu and Sean Kepi, I'm locking Kepi in, but Morgan Boyle's also a middle forward along with them two guys. Fanua Blake, maybe not immediately on return from injury, but we know he plays big minutes. Marty Tapao plays sort of 50 to 55, which is good minutes for a front rower. And Jake Jaboyevich will be playing 80, if not the first week, within a few weeks of the competition. So there is a bit of a question mark on minutes there, but again, still pretty very, very viable cheapy options. Over at Melbourne, Justin Ollum and Marion Sevy are the new Storm centre pairing. Nelson Osofa-Solomon has been named outside the 17 while coming back from injury, but maybe a chance to come in on game day. Because of this, Tui Kamikamika starts at prop. Harry Grant's on the bench. Uh, it's a killer for my guy, Brenko Lee, who I had locked in at 309k. Sevy's beating him out to that centre spot. So we can rule out Brenko Lee, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so that's that's the main news at the Melbourne Storm. Nothing overly surprising there, except for probably a Sofa Solomona. Uh, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I think the, the Storm's always a side that 
hits the ground running. Um, Pappenhausen, I think most people have. He might be the most owned player. Um, Olam's probably a flyer. I won't have him, but people that like Melbourne, I could see why you could grab someone like an Olam. Um, I think Munster will see value, so he was the highest scoring um, 5-8 in the game, so I, I could see people getting him. Jerome Hughes is an interesting one. I had him at the start of last year, and yeah, um, he frustrated me because they tended to go away from him a bit. It came out later that he was injured. He looks really good, like in the preseason. Um, he could be a bloke that scores above what he has been scoring just because he's going to get those minutes at halfback and consistent reps and things like that. But um, I, I wouldn't really look at any of the storm forwards at this stage. I'm not really interested. I'm just hoping Harry Grant doesn't get too many minutes. So when he goes to the Tigers, I can just pull him straight in and save some money. Like maybe I've made some money on Appy. I'm not sure when it'll be, but um, and he can be my starting hooker because I'm that high on him. I think he's going to be an 80-minute player when he gets to the Tigers, if he gets there. Yeah, very nice. I agree. Jerome Hughes is a, an under-the-radar pod. My only issue with Hughes is that in a side that's got Cameron Smith, Cameron Munster, Pappenhausen will play at the back. I'm just not sure how much good ball he'll see with all of them there. But, again, we've seen Ryan Pappenhausen probably do his best stuff on the right edge where where Hughes will play. Um, so that could benefit him. But, yeah, d- d- definitely a sneaky one there. Um, and, mate, just on Harry Grant, it looks as though he'll be there. The, the deal out of nowhere is come up and it looks like it's going to proceed. Melbourne are just waiting for Brandon Smith to recover from injury so that they've got depth for Cam Smith, for Grant to come through. So, mate, I'm thinking Grant at the Tigers, maybe around 4-5, which is excellent news for him as a cheapy option. Not so good news for Billy Walters at the Tigers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Billy Walters is one that I'm toying with because of his price point, but um, I feel like the way that Josh Reynolds look, he could be a player that gets 30 minutes and then Josh Reynolds comes on. Um, he might just be like that player that uh, Maguire thinks will take the sting out of the game. He's solid in defence and he's capable um, and he might just play a 30, 35-minute role. He, I could be wrong. He could play a 60-minute role and he'd be really good value. Um, either way, he'll, he'll make some money, Billy Walters. But, yeah, with this impending trade, it makes you think twice about it because uh, – you know, it makes you think twice about getting Billy Walters or even Josh Reynolds because I think both of them would probably drop out of the side if if Harry Grant comes over. I think um, it seems like Maguire's really high on him. He might take a couple of weeks to work him into his system, but they don't have a lot of time, the West Tigers. There's a lot of pressure on them. So um, they're a side that I feel like is going to go pretty well this year. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, fair share, mate. We'll get to more on the Tigers very shortly because we've got the Dragons and the Tigers at Wynn Stadium, the final game of round one, 6-15. Uh, at the Dragons, James Graham plays his first game of the season for the Dragons after missing the preseason trials. Trent Merrin makes his club return off the bench. It's Blake Laurie's being given the starting lock role, so I think we can probably cut out Trent Merrin as an option. Braden Williami, hallelujah, a cheapie, gets a start at centre ahead of Ewan Aitken, Massive, massive news there because Aiken's been a stalwart of that side many years now, and I don't think I've been trampled by but Latrell Mitchell about two years ago in an Origin trial. So we'll bounce back from that, I'm sure of that. Josh Kerr, another cheapy potential. He's been named in reserves, and there's been no Cam McGuinness, so no surprises there. 
A um, lot happening at the Dragons, mate. Um, I think we can probably lock in Willie Army, although there's job security issues. Max, a lot of people are going a little bit cold on. Um, I'm still happy with him having only played 55 minutes a game last year. I think there's upside goal kicking. I don't think he'll be a star. I don't think he's going to make 200, 250K, but I think he can do a job for us. Um, Isaac Luke's at nine. Billy Britton's been named off the bench, so Britton will likely take 20 or 30 minutes off Isaac Luke. Uh, mate, how do you see the Dragons? Yeah, the Dragons are interesting. I, I mean, Lomax and actually Dewey, who we'll get to in in the Tigers, are two players that I'm just not sure about. Like, you know, they're, they're a middling price and they sort of got me in two minds. I mean, I think they could have good games, but I think they could have really quiet games as well. So um, I'm a bit conflicted on those ones. I don't really like those type of players. Um, Willie Army passed the eye test for me. I mean, he looks dangerous. He's straight in for me. He's playing against that right side defence um, against yeah. the Tigers, which I'll be loading up against. Any left side players playing against the Tigers' right side defence, um, the way they looked against the Warriors. I know they only scored one try against them, the Warriors, but um, it's going to take a while for Joey Leilua and Nofo to, to get their stuff together, you know. So and Luciano. It's it's a yeah. gold mine for the opposite edge, isn't it? Yeah, there's a few head scratches there. And then, you know, like I think you've got Benji out there as well, who's he's probably improved as a defender from his early days. But, I mean, it's by no means the strongest um, edge four that you've seen. So, um yeah, like if you're looking at matchups for left side and right side, well, definitely the left side attack playing them will be interesting. And and it's it's my understanding that Lafay is going to move to the right side and to give Viliame the um, the left side centre. And he looked he he looked really really good in the trial games at left centre. So like uh, really dangerous, um, gets to the outside of players um, and then looks to use his winger or, you know, just beats him with pace and strength. So he's really the only player that I'm considering. I, I think I've pretty much, you know, dismissed Lomax. So he's pretty much the only player I'm considering. I'm not interested in Merrin. Tyrell Fumayono is 200,000. He interests me somewhat, but I think he'll be used more as a, a explosive sort of impact player. Um, yeah. So that one's a wait and see for me with the with the Dragons. I don't expect the Dragons to go that well this year. Like, if they don't start well, you know, things could get real ugly there. Yeah, and I think if you're considering any Dragons forwards, such as your Blake Lorries, your, I mean, probably not your Marins anymore, but your Fui Mayanos, there's just so much depth in the Dragons pack. They've got Cameron McInnes coming back. It could be any week. It could be a month. We don't know. Corbin Sims broke his arm, but he'll be back in time. Um, Josh Kerr, he could pop into the side at any time. Jackson Ford's looming there. So a lot of question marks around the pack. Uh, On to the Tigers. Corey Thompson gets the fullback spot over recruit Adam Dewey, who's been named at centre. Billy Walters has been named at hooker and no Moses Embai. Um, Luciano Lelua does get the start on the edge in the back row. I've never been keen on Adam Dewey. I don't think there's much upside to him at all. The fact that he's now been named at centre, on the edge, outside, he's playing, he'll play left edge. It'll have BJ and Luciano on the right side. I see the right side getting all the ball, mate. Dewey's a, a no way for me. What do you think? Yeah, I just it doesn't sit well with me, him playing on the left side. He just strikes me as a right side player. Um, 
I don't know why, but that's just the way I picture it when I, you know, when I think about the way he's played. The other thing is, like Moses and Bai is probably going to come back in because he is a pretty good left side centre. He's not, he's not a natural centre. He's sort of a player without a position and Bai, but I think he's that well respected at the club and they've invested so much money in him that he could, he'll come back in and play left centre whenever he gets over his injury. I'm not sure if it's serious or not, but um, so I don't know if job security is really there. He maybe they're looking at. I did read that they're looking to work him into this into the system. So, um, you know, Corey Thompson will just play fullback, and then he'd move to wing once Dewey gets the system and things like that. But uh, things always don't don't always eventuate as what the way they they're meant to. But yeah, look, I'm interested in Nofo as a flyer, a really expensive flyer, because I think their start to the season is is uh, quite good, you know, the Tigers, and I expect them to go quite good um, from a super catch point of view. They might not they might not win the games. I think they will go all right, but um, I think they'll score highly in super coach. I like Joey Leilua. I'm trying to convince myself, should I should I get him or am I taking too much of a risk there? But um, and I also like his brother a lot. He's been a lock-in for me for a fair while because I think he gets 60 to 65 minutes and he just scores points. Yeah, I agree with you on Luciano, and he's a guy I didn't have in my side for a lot of time, but I'm now looking like I really need him in my side because I just... I know the Tigers are really high on him after he's had a big preseason. They want to play him for 80 minutes if they can and if he's up to it. So I can see him playing 65-plus minutes early in the season until he gets that match fitness up to him. Average 47 points in 41 minutes last year. He's literally could be doubling his minutes. Um, he just could be anything, I think, Luciano. Mate, Joey Leilua, I'm, I've, he's always so technical. He should be a super coach superstar. Bust tackles, offloads, scores, assist tries. He has an okay base uh, as well. He averaged 72 points in 2016. Outside of that, he has an average 51 in the past five years. And my issue with Joey is that among a few things, Supercoach-wise, he's going from a red-hot attacking side in the Raiders to a side like the Tigers, who historically have been very poor in attack. He's mm. playing on an he's playing on a new look edge. I hate new new combinations in the side early in the season because it takes a lot of time for them to gel. I remember yep. digressing a little bit, but I remember when Teddy rocked up at the Roosters and Cooper Cronk was there. Sorry, Cronk rocked up while Teddy was there. Um, they had a few new players in the spine. It took them about 10 weeks to get going in actual NRL, and they were the most elite players in the NRL. So you throw guys like Luciano and Joey there and Brooks or Marshall, whoever's on that edge, I just see a lot of issues with Joey Leilua. Yeah, that's really sound logic, mate. I like the way you've worked through that. and You've given me a lot of food for thought, to be fair. Like, and I'll probably go away and have a think about that because I, I do agree that the sides that will start fastest are more than likely the sides that have had the least amount of roster turnover, like Melbourne, um, like Rabbitohs to a lesser degree. I think their roster turnover suits them. Like so, whatever roster, you know, change in roster they've had, like they brought in Latrell Mitchell for a Dewey here. Like he's such a class player that he's going to fit into that side. Um, I felt like the Broncos possibly were possibly a side that could have started fast, but now I don't know whether they will. But, yeah, those sides that have the least amount of roster turnover are generally the ones that 
you know, hit the ground running. So, mate, um, just one name before we finish up on the Tigers, Zane Musgrove, are you interested? Yeah, good shout. Very interested. Another guy who I know the club are massive on. He's had a huge preseason. I can see Musgrove starting for the Tigers pretty early in the year. Mm. I, think they'll get, I think they'll get a few games under his belt, and I think he could be one of the cash cows of the year. So he's locked into my side yourself. Yeah, I think uh, I think I will. But you know, like obviously you got um, the the Warriors player Tarnua Brown, so that'd be your two cheapies. And then you know maybe you go with a Haas and a, a Papali, or maybe you go with you know maybe if you lock someone in like a Carrigan or something like that into front row because he's dual position. So. Yeah, there's a lot of permutations to work <laughs> well, well, based on what we've just gone through, we've got about 45 players in the back row and our front row. So we'll go back and look at actually getting them into a team. But anyway, mate, we've run about 20 minutes over time, as we thought might happen, being the first team this Tuesday of the year. Uh, but, mate, it's been a ball anyway. So thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks, Timmy. And um, good luck for the first week. And I'll catch up with you next week. And we'll, we'll see if... Um, We're still experts after one week, eh? (laughs) Absolutely, mate. Cheers, guys.